Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, guys, as the war in Ukraine continues, a lot more American companies are distancing themselves from Russia. And I mean a lot more. I mean, one of the major companies is Starbucks. They just closed all 130 of their stores over there. Yeah. And that was just on one street. Wow. <laughs> and the company that owns Pizza Hut, KFC, and Taco Bell suspended its operations in Russia. How good can Taco Bell be over there? Uh, it's an American company making Mexican food in Russia. Yes. <laughs> A photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. <laughs> and then facing growing public pressure, Papa John's uh, announced that it is halting all Russian business operations. Russians were like, finally, some good news. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, okay. So I suppose the uh, most optimistic Pollyanna view of this corporations going to war thing, which is almost entirely new on the planet, uh, all these companies have declared war on Russia completely outside of the U.S. government. Yeah, I, I suppose it's because they feel pressure from uh, global societies. Because really. they're afraid of hashtags. That's what they're afraid of. Coca-Cola moved when hashtag boycott Coca-Cola started. And all these other companies are scared of that. You know, people with their outsized fear of Twitter and that sort of thing. I think that's what's driving it. But anyway... Um, the most optimistic view of it would be um, Tom Friedman's old thing that he wrote in his book that no country with a McDonald's has ever gone to war with another country with a McDonald's, which is close enough to be true to be true. I mean, it's just a, if you're advanced enough to have that sort of stuff, it's almost always true. I mean, you can see that it's not always true because Russia just invaded Ukraine. But if, if we get tied together enough with companies and anything, everything like that, can corporate pressure... Stop countries from doing bad things. Yes, unless that country is really big and has a really big market and people are getting really, really rich in there. Play the gong, Michael. Where's the gong sound? We're talking about China. <laughs> so, waiting for the gong. He's I to... mean, for all of the horrors of what Russia has done, and it has perpetrated horrors, I mean, China's no slouch when it comes to horrors, and yet... Most American corporations are saying, what, 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 what genocide now? We'll absolutely look into that and get back to you. I wish from where you were sitting, you could see Michael like I can. The number, the amount of typing and buttons and levers he had to pull to get that gong oh, sound to go. I can see from here. Yeah. It's just incredible. <laughs> You'd think we'd have a system that was a easier than that. Well, um, don't we, where's the gong? Where's the positive Sean I got, gong when right Sean here. left? It's down there on the floor? All right, well, yeah. I mean, why do all the typing, Michael? We'll just get you a gong. You ready? I've got a get gong right on. here. This gong. Bang a gong, if you will. Our old producer, Sean, sometimes would uh, ramble on. So- sometimes. And uh, we had the positive Sean gong. That's a pretty good gong. Well, it's an actual gong. It'd be better with a softer mallet. Woo! You, yeah, you'd would... get less ping and yep. more booze. You're absolutely right. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, we were talking about unspeakable horrors, weren't we? Uh, the um, more pessimistic and I think probably more accurate view of the way corporations can go after countries is it's going to get turned on a country that doesn't deserve it at p- some point, including our own, over some oh, yeah. woke mm-hmm. issue. Sure. And then we're going to think, ah, wait a second. Yeah. Well, it's all cost-benefit analysis, which is what it ought to be. 
the costs of doing business with the uh, evil regime of Putin became higher than the benefits. The benefits of doing business with uh, the communist Chinese still far ac- exceed the costs. It's as simple as that. So they keep doing business with China. So public opinion, where is it on our support of Ukraine? I think it's moving toward getting more involved. Well, 80% of Americans say the president should do more, whatever that more is. Um, break it down by countries, though. Are, how likely are Americans likely? How likely are Americans to support taking on Russia if they invade any of these countries? A survey was done, and we can take a look at those numbers coming up. Oh. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I would like to hear that. But first, one of the stories of the day domestically: more inflation numbers out, and once again, the highest numbers in forty years. You got to go back to nineteen eighty-two to see a February that looks like this past February. Here are some of the numbers broken down. Um, hotels up 29% February to February. Furniture, 17% up. Chicken, 30, 13%. Damn, chicken's expensive. Man, I was going to buy a couch and eat some chicken on it. Now I just don't know. Uh, new cars and trucks, 12%. Flooring, 11%. Lunch meat, 11%. Dry cleaning, 9.5%. I thought my dry cleaning seemed extraordinarily expensive last time I picked it up. I would explain that. Everything is higher. Tools, 9%. Baby food, 8%. Full-service restaurants, 7.5%. Pet supplies, 7.5%. Toys, 7%. Car repair, 7%. I mentioned earlier I got some tires and wheels last night. He said, good thing you bought now because... Uh, next month, they go up 15%. We just got the memo today, and I said, well, how much have they gone up in the last year? They said 15%. So went up 50% in the last year. You're selling these. You're trying to sell these products to people, and the people that send them to you raise the price 15% last year and are going to again in the next month. Yeah, I know it. And are your, did your wages go up 15%? Probably not. <laughs> no, indeed. I, I don't, and, and... All these numbers are before the war in Ukraine kicked off and we stopped buying oil from Russia and all, and everything is transferred to you on a vehicle at some point and gas is getting more expensive every single day. So these there's going to be a, a, a bigger jump than this, I think, next month. I don't know. Wow, I was, I was going to grab a handful of lunch meat and go get my shirts dry cleaned, but now I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> Well, I was just this, this, we were talking earlier about how how we grew up, and uh, you grew up in an urban area. I grew up in a rural area, but we had similar experiences that people just didn't eat out hardly at all. No, no, and and I got like one pair of jeans per year. That was the only new clothes, um, hand me downs, and and thrift shops and stuff like that. And it was fine. I had a lovely childhood. I think, yeah, it was fine. I, I um. I think that's where we're going to head. I mean, when when stuff gets so expensive, you know how you uh, afford to put gas in your car and afford the things that you have to pay for? You don't eat out all the time. You don't buy $3.5 coffee when you can make it at home and put it in a travel mug. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we could cut back on. You don't have 15 different entertainment subscriptions. Yeah, and, and not to minimize the pain of what's going on, because no. folks who are living a paycheck to paycheck are really struggling, and this has got to be really, really scary. At the same time, though, you know you know us, the whole, oh, woe is me, woe is me, there's never been a harder time, how can I survive? Stop with that. That's not what made this country great. That's not the, 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 the sort of uh, ethic 
that that we've long respected in this country. If if you're having hard times and you need help from your neighbors, that's fine. I'm sure your neighbors will be there for you. But the whole the whole sad sack woe is me complaining all the time thing. I just can't stand it. Well, we might have to taper back our ridiculously lavish lifestyle, and we've seen enough of the numbers to know that you know the poorest of the poor are a different segment. There aren't that many of them in the United States. But just talk about right. the regular middle class. The middle class eats out a lot. The middle class has a ton of entertainment subscriptions. The middle class keeps Starbucks going. There's all kind of the middle class carries around a thousand dollar freaking phone in their pocket. Mm-hmm. We all do this, and there are things we could cut back on that we might have to. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but we live way more expensive lifestyles than our parents did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Definitely a rough patch ahead, though. I uh, can't imagine how long it's going to last. Jack quoted one economist as saying it could uh, go on for decades, this sort of inflation. I don't see that happening. No, you can't have 8 10% inflation for decades. No, it just doesn't make any sense. A car would cost $250,000. Yeah, well... Yeah, well, no, it struck me as ridiculous at the time, but uh, nobody's quite sure how this shakes out. Uh, boy, your your point about the uh, these numbers being pre the explosion of gas prices in the wake of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that was sobering, and you know me, I hate being sober. Um, wow, that's awful. Where did you say you, are, you had an email or text about somebody paying $7 for gas? I know around L.A. there are various places that do. Oh, no, it was well over $8 on the Mendocino Coast, Northern oh, California, right. which is it's just in the middle of nowhere, more or less, and it's just unspeakably gorgeous. Um, but, yeah, it's well over $8 a gallon. I had this experience last night, so I ran an errand, and it was a little ways away. But I, I never really factor in gas usually to it. But I, uh, I decided to top off before I go to work, and I realized, you know what? I only used, like, five gallons of gas on this little run in my errands. But that cost me dang near 25 bucks. That was a $25 decision to run over there and come back. Wow. That, you know, you, you start, start, start paying attention to that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if everybody's going to start, you know, calculating their transportation costs for everything they do. I think I'm about to. I did last night. Wait a second. I got to think twice before. Or, or, you know, and again, getting back to the way my parents lived. You would stack things together on a trip so that you got them all done at once, so you weren't driving around just wasting gas. Yeah. During the yeah. 70s when gas was real expensive. I do remember that, being told, no, you're going to walk. You're walking a baseball. You can take your bike. You're not getting a ride for that reason. Yeah. And, but, and you know what? It made me strong like bull. I think we're headed back to there right now. The price of going out to eat is not just what the restaurant meal costs. It's the cost of driving there and back. Because that might be 10 15 bucks. Yeah. Interesting. But at the same time... Quit acting like it's the Dust Bowl. <laughs> Quit acting like you're the hollow-cheeked, grim-faced farmer looking at his fallow farm. You're not. We're not. We'll the, be fine. We're not the Donner Party. Right. Exactly. Let's let's show some of those guts that made this country great, and uh, and and as soon as possible, vote the ninny and the old man out. Huh? <laughs> that would certainly help. True international pressure. Oh. Thank you, sir. Speaking, speaking of which, there are a couple of egregious Kamala quotes already from her trip to Europe. Cool. We can oh, do that. And, uh, plus what, a Ukraine update, of course. What countries are we willing to defend or not, according to a new poll? All on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
Armstrong and Getty Show. People are really angry. Uh, they're terrified of seeing images that our parents saw, that my parents lived for, through, again, on our television screens in this century. We thought this was Europe in the last century. We didn't think it was going to happen again. I don't know anyone really in the UK who has not donated to Ukraine. I know people who have taken vans and driven to Ukraine. Uh, the British government is concerned that there are British soldiers who are meant to be on duty who have suddenly gone AWOL from their duties in the UK. They're concerned that they've turned up in Ukraine. 14,000 foreign forces have now turned up in Ukraine to join the fight. 14,000. Wow, I didn't realize it was that big a number. And as I was talking about that article in the Washington Post said uh, as they were traveling around Europe, they've never seen this sort of outpouring of support for another country, as you just heard there about Great Britain. But here's the concern about it getting even worse. It's a blunt warning coming from the White House tonight saying that people should be prepared for Russia to potentially use a chemical or biological weapons attack in Ukraine or create a false flag operation using them. This comes after several Russian officials have accused the United States in recent days of creating biological weapons in Ukraine. A top State Department official testified saying that this is the trick in Vladimir Putin's book, that he often accuses countries or people of doing the very attack that he himself is planning on doing. Yeah. Oh, man, Syria. Yeah, I remember. Yep, that's what he did in Syria. And I remember even at the time there being a little, at least a little bit of debate of did uh, the 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 rebels who were trying to take down Assad, Assad use chemical weapons, or was it ISIS, or you know, just any wiggle room you can get is good, and that's yeah. what Russia's trying to pull off. He's going to use chemical weapons against his neighbor that he intends to make part of Russia. He's bombing hospitals. I know it doesn't make any sense. Now Ukraine is saying that sixty hospitals have been at least damaged by. Uh, Russian attacks, and like 23 of them outright bombed. What is your plan on taking over a country? Hey, sorry about that whole bomb in your hospital thing. I know you were pregnant at the time, and that must have been something being under that rubble. It must have been really scary. But anyway, we're here now, and uh, we would like you to uh, participate in our civic society. Yeah. what, Yeah. What is the plan there? Well, I continue to think Putin made a series of miscalculations, and he is now in something close to a no-win situation. It's just a question of how he loses and how big he loses, which is, uh, you know, a a cornered beast is a dangerous beast, no doubt. Do you have any opinion on the whole constant talk about war crimes or investigating this as a possible war crime? Does that do any good whatsoever? No, I, I am like a week into rolling my eyes over that. I mean, what 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 are you talking about? I understand what a war crime is and that this is, but declaring that loudly and in, in an indignant voice does nothing. Be- beat the guy, then you charge him with war crimes. That's the that's the way war crimes work. Do you? The underst- victor rarely pleads guilty. Do you understand how NATO works? It's an organization of countries, and they got this thing called Article 5, where an attack on one is an attack on all. In theory, if any of the many countries in NATO is attacked, we all come to that country's defense. It has often been questioned whether that would happen in reality when the rubber met the road. Uh, they ask Americans, would we, should we use military force to defend these countries against a Russian attack? Great Britain? 58% of Americans say we should... 
come to Great Britain's aid militarily against Russia? Just 58? Only 58% for Great Britain? Are you kidding? Uh, well, most people don't have a single clue about, you know, international relations and Article 5 and the rest of it. I would say the don't knows are pretty high. There's 28% don't know. I think they'd ah. be convinced pretty quickly by news reports, I would hope, to join That's in. That's a good but, point. Good point. Uh, maybe that should not as number a better number. I don't know. But it goes down from there. France, 55. Germany, 51. Poland, 47. Let's get down to the bottom. Ukraine currently is at 31%. We should take on Russia on behalf of Ukraine. They're not a NATO country, by the way. Um, 31 should not, but 37 don't know. That gets to my public opinion could change very quickly. You see enough bad images and get a big chunk of that 37 to come over to the should side, and you are at a majority very quickly. I would agree. Now, whether that moves the government, I don't know. Um, small numbers also for other NATO members, even though we are uh, beholden to come to their defense. Only a third American say they'd come to the defense of Turkey or Croatia or Latvia or Romania. I looked at the list of NATO countries the other day, and it is probably bigger than it ought to be since it's a mutual we'll go to world war for you pact. Uh, there, there are some sober and reasonable voices that say NATO did overreach post-Soviet Union. We can talk about that another day. We've got advice on how to take a nap, among other things, on the way. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I am here, standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies, and what is at stake at this very moment. Okay, first let's nail down what flank we're on, all right? We're only on one flank, one flank at a time. The interesting part is during that little speech, she was constantly consulting her notes. Oh, really? Yeah. That was Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States of America, somehow, over in Europe. There is reporting, and uh, I agree with you that you got to be skeptical of this kind of reporting, because they had it about Reagan, they had it about Bush, and then on the other side, you have about it Obama, you have about Clinton. I mean, people like to say this sort of thing, and sometimes it's not true. But there has been reporting from some liberal sources. Of course, they're out to get rid of Kamala. Because As are conservative sources. I mean, it, it's nice to have a dunderhead as the vice president, but it's too dangerous to national security. Conservatives shouldn't be trying to get rid of, rid of Kamala electorally. Um, have her in. Let her run. Go ahead. Good luck with that. Um, yeah, but Democrats are out to get Kamala Harris. And, the, and there have been, I think it was the, well, I won't say who because I'm not positive, um, that she is not deep on any subject and is not interested in going deep on any subject she's not interested in learning these things and uh and i've I've listened to podcasts from people who have been in the business of training up candidates and people in office to bring them up to speed before they do press conferences and that sort of thing saying how is she not ready for that question i mean that's like 101 stuff and i would think if you're freaking go i i am like taking in eight hours worth of material on this a day you would think while she was traveling over to ukraine she'd have really read up on what's happening and and sounded knowledgeable 
Well, your your theory is that she's just not very bright. I think she's a dumb person. She's the daughter of a couple of college professors, isn't she? She kind of got dropped on her head. Okay, well, that's another theory. So, uh, anyway, uh, play that one again, 56, Michael, so we can enjoy it as she constantly checks her notes. I am here, standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies. And what is at stake at this very moment? Look, I'm the the go-to person for analyzing this because I have done that. I have barely thrown together a little speech I had to give for school and not had any idea what I was talking about. I have done that. That's what it sounds like. Michael, can you get ready at some point? Well, maybe while we're listening to the next clip, the we are here together and together we are here together clip. Uh, but first, enjoy this. This is a brand new entry into the Kamala. What the hell are you talking about? Hall of Fame. She's in case you don't hear this. It's a reporter asking about the horrific uh, refugee crisis in Ukraine. And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> A friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I can first. Okay, so this time. <laughs> Madam, the situation is very complex. This is what I was saying. So she just kind of figured out a way to not have to answer it because she doesn't know what she's allowed to say. Uh, representing the White House's uh, position on that because she didn't do any... Like that that other clip we played, she looked over some notes before she walked out there. Like she barely has any idea where she is or what she's talking about. Right. Well, she, uh, again, she had them in front of them, in front of her. She constantly c- consults her notes. We are here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, together in terms of what is important. Oh, oh my God, it's unbelievable. Do you have another one, Michael? But also see it as a moment, yes, to together address the challenges and to work on the opportunities. We must together, work together, to see where we are, where we are headed, where we are going, and our vision for where we should be. You're right. That is somebody who forgot to do the book report from middle school. (laughs) I know. Tom Sawyer is a character who is known in literature as a character. Named Tom Sawyer. Named Tom Sawyer that has been read for many years. Yeah. Okay. Great. Oh, 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 you know what I got to hit you with? And this is, this is so interesting. It's hard to know, but it's crazy interesting. The state of the Xi Putin bromance. You remember just before all of this unrolled itself, uh, you know, the, the invasion began, uh, Putin and Xi were seen sitting on a park bench just smooching and signing, you know, endless friendship, endless love agreements or whatever she called it, a limitless friendship. So we'll talk about that in just a second after a quick word from our friends and beloved sponsors, Simply Save Home Security, recently named. And, you know, it's amazing. They don't get big heads. They're still very humble and they work very hard. But U.S. News, PC Magazine, and Popular Science have all ranked Simply Safe Home Security as the best home security system. That is incredible. 
That is absolutely incredible. Given the fact that Simply Safe is less than a dollar a day, you can set it up yourself in around 30 minutes. It's easy to use, which is key to these things. And no long-term contract. Most security systems, you got to sign up for a year or two in some cases. They get you roped in and you decide, I don't even like this. I never use it, but I'm paying for it for two years. And are there other systems that can tell you when somebody comes to your front door? You've heard of that, right? Well, sure, yeah, but they don't have all those magazines naming them the best, like Simply Safe Home Security. Customize your system in a few minutes. It's easy. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. Did we mention no long-term contracts? We should I did. Have. You did. Excellent. No long-term contracts. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. All right. So this is David Vondrell, who, who's writing for the WAPO. It's got more of a New York Post feel, but I love it. The she-Putin bromance is surely on the rocks. She and Putin's excellent adventure might be the world's shortest bromance. <laughs> Last month, the bully of Beijing and the megalomaniac of Moscow shared some fun together at the Winter Olympics and announced, not for the first time, that they are tired of Uncle Sam bossing the world around. From now on, they'd be making their own rules. This is, why is this written like this? I know, it's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Then, I gotta start writing in this style. You know what? <laughs> then Russian President Vladimir Putin rolled his sphere of influence over a cliff. Russia's clumsy, brutal, and doomed invasion of its law-abiding neighbor Ukraine is the best advertisement for the Russian alliance since, well, Russia's invasion invasion of Czechoslovakia in 1968 and Hungary in 1956, not to mention Russia's blockade of West Berlin in 1948. Nothing makes friends for the USA like the rumbling of Russian tanks. But it's worse than that from Chinese President Xi Jinping's perspective. His Russian wingman has reanimated the West while using tanks that immediately lost the rumble. The picture of mile after mile of Russian military hardware bogged down along a single road north of Kiev suggests that Xi's Moscow partner is not just reckless, but also feckless and brainless. It's increasingly clear that Russian troops crossed the border with no idea where they were going, much less why. Invasion planners, or whatever you'd call them, assumed the Kiev airport would be easily seized. Wrong. The Ukrainian government would quickly collapse. Wrong. And the population would be welcoming. Wrong. Russia's nuclear umbrella prevented NATO jets and missiles from wiping out the entire stalled column between one nightfall and the next dawn. I can can understand why he assumed they could take the airport quickly and the government would fall. I mean, we were encouraging the government to fall. Um, I can understand that, but why did he actually think they'd be welcome to liberators? I assumed that was just a lie he was telling people to get him to go in. He didn't actually think that, did he? Putin doesn't actually think these people feel like they're being oppressed by a Nazi government. Does he? I've, I've read fairly heavyweight commentators suggest that he's believed his own propaganda. It seems crazy to me and somewhat unlikely. Uh, but I, I don't know, in short. So getting back to the uh, nuclear umbrella, with this umbrella thus shielding him, Putin will most likely revert to form the butcher of Chechnya, the mad bomber of Syria, destroying cities and slaughtering civilians in a stalemate that serves only to remind the world what's wrong with tyrants. Xi must be feeling lonely now that his buddy has blown it. Chinese authorities are busy scouring the Internet to hide evidence of their leader, their leader's poor taste in friends. But what other thoughts might be going through his head? He might be rethinking his hurry-up schedule for absorbing Taiwan. The anti-communist island has been beefing up its defenses. If Ukraine can so easily become a graveyard for Russian tanks, what might Taiwan be for an amphibious Chinese troops? 
China has spent a lot of money on its military in recent years, and the country does a lot of training exercises, but Chinese generals and their troops aren't battle-tested, and a contested assault on Taiwan could be a battle such as the world has not seen. Consider, the English Channel crossed on D-Day is 20 miles at its narrowest. The Strait of Taiwan's narrowest point is 81 miles. Consider, too, there were no satellites on D-Day to make targets of every ship. So she might be asking himself, what is Taiwan worth if, like Putin in Ukraine, I must destroy it to win it? And if Taiwan's subjugation requires me to feed Chinese troops into a meat grinder, can I survive the backlash at home? And he goes into that and the, the sanctions and how China's got to have been just shocked awake by the not only the massive governmental sanctions, but the extra governmental Stuff we've been talking about, all the tech companies, all the the Coca-Colas and McDonald's and and every damn company I can think of saying, nope, that's it. We're not going to do business with you anymore. Uh, So this writer, anyway, thinks that uh, China, the Chinese communists are really paying attention. They don't like what they're seeing. I hope that's true. I hope it is, too. I I love seeing NATO come together again. Quit squabbling like idiots. Start paying your bills like Trump told you to. Come on now, you got to get credit for that and start acting like an alliance again. So um, a lot of thick, heavy news between uh, inflation and war and all that sort of stuff. I'm looking up at the CBS early show. They're talking to some guy. Uh, I don't know what the conversation is, but underneath it says, the joy of donkeys. (laughs) I did not see that coming. So there you go. I I like a good donkey. (laughs) (laughs) there's joy of donkeys brandon the breaking news donkey there hilarious the joy of donkeys um (laughs) coming up we got a guy who's got advice on how to take the perfect nap speaking of that sort of news oh please yes sir nap can't really have a bad nap naps are like pizza for me yeah, I hear that. Wow. If I could ever figure out why I sleep so much better for a nap than I do at night. I I never, I've never laid down for a nap in my life, I don't think, where I start thinking about all the stuff I got to do and can't get to sleep. Nope. Just immediately fall asleep. Out like a lion. Nighttime? No. You got to ponder all the problems of the world. Yeah, what, what is night that Night after night? I don't That's know. Right. I don't know. If you know, text us 415-295-KFTC. Much on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's good napping and there's bad napping. When you wake up after a nap and you feel like you just got hit by a truck, it's because what has happened is you started to build what's called sleep inertia. So once you start sleeping, after you get past a certain point, your brain gets into the mode that thinks, oh, we're doing this for the next eight hours. (laughs) And if you interrupt it after it's gotten past that point, it's sort of a rude awakening. That's why when you nap, you should actually nap either a very short nap, 20 or 30 minutes, or setting an alarm for a 90 minute nap. A 90 minute nap is enough time for you to go through an entire sleep cycle. Not long enough for you to build a lot of sleep inertia, but enough time for you to actually get some of the benefits of sleeping. So I have a name for that awful feeling. That is my one of my least favorite feelings, sleep inertia. 
I kind of like when I wake up from my often two-hour nap feeling angry and nauseated. It's a pleasant feeling. I'm a 15 to 20 minute guy if I ever get to do it. So often that's in my, a good length. Often in my car, and I feel I feel great after that. Great. I had a friend who was a uh, uh, combat veteran. Uh, I think he was a Marine, and um, he swore by the 90 minute thing, the 90 minute sleep huh. cycle thing. He said it varies a little bit individual to individual, but man, sleep in, in cycles of uh, or or you know uh, multiples of 90 minutes. Been a lot of these kind of stories. Don't know how you feel about it. So the Montreal Symphony, they dropped their Russian piano prodigy from concerts amid a backlash. He's like the big name, the big draw because he's a uh, super young. And uh, but he's Russian. We're not going to come watch some Russian piano player. How do we feel about that? He, this twenty-year-old, yeah. by the way, has been an outspoken critic of Putin's invasion. Well, there you go. Let him play. They canceled him because he's Russian. Let him play. Mention in the program he's been an outspoken critic. That's a, see, that's just dopey. Yeah, well, a lot of that's happening. Yeah, I know it is. Rest- uh, Russian restaurants that are being vandalized? Oh, no, no. I saw that, no. and that's it happening in New York. So you're the sort of person that's plugged in enough to the restaurant scene in New York. That means you got to have some money, probably. But they're still too dumb to separate a Russian restaurant Someone who decided to make their life here in America. In the United States, right. duh. From what's going on in Ukraine. That's... Oh, man, I hate that. You uh, know, homo sapiens suck. They do. Did you hear uh, Ian Bremmer just tweeted, Sergei Lavrov, uh, Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, just said, are we planning to attack other countries? No, we're not planning to. We didn't attack Ukraine. Yeah, I saw that. Apparently reporting from another planet. I saw that. So, obviously, the problem with that, this is why Macron was so despondent after talking to Putin last week. If somebody lies to your face, well, if a portion of what they said to you, you know to be a lie, well, then you don't trust any of the other stuff. Sure. Obviously. Well, and how do you bargain with them? How do you negotiate? So, Bill Malusian... Of Fox does great reporting on the border, a story nobody seems to care about, as we're setting records every month for people pouring into this country. Anyway, he used the term gotaways the other day in one of his reports, and one of your leading thinkers attacked him for that, saying, calling human beings gotaways is disgusting. They are sons, daughters, mamas, papas, grandmas, and grandmothers. You don't refer to human beings as gotaways, to which... Bill Malusian responded in Twitter form, Human beings who dress in camouflage and dark clothing and sneak across the border illegally in remote areas or evade and run from border agents instead of presenting themselves and are never caught are called gotaways by the Department of Homeland Security, and I will continue to refer to them as such. You idiot unicorn-riding bullesser. That's the actual term of art from your own government, which is run by Democrats, by the way. So, complain to them. On the whole, uh, Poland was going to give us the planes to give to Ukraine, and we said no, and all that silliness, slicing it really thin. A whole bunch of people pointed out yesterday how uh, the history of that sort of thing, going back to World War II, not for nothing, says one person knowing the history of this. We made the Brits tow with horses U.S. planes over the Canadian border before World War II to make sure there was a separation of who had the planes and gave them to who. 
Wow. The Brits had to tow our planes with horses across the border to make sure Germany couldn't claim that we were actively involved or something. We don't we don't want to anger Herr Hitler. So there's a history of that sort of thing. No, that was not a gratuitous use of Hitler as a reference, Michael. I'm sorry, I that was help a myself. specific Well, start helping yourself. All right. Th- th- these are time this is a time for discipline. Not mindless self-indulgence. You get your inflation. You get your warfare at NATO on the edge. And you, setting off dingers like it means nothing. The queen has COVID. The, yes. Does she still have COVID? I can't smell my corgi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This whole thing with my smell being all messed up where everything smells bad. I suppose I'll get used to it eventually. God, like right now, it smells like I'm wearing clothes that haven't been washed in a month, and I just oh. ran a marathon. That's what it smells like. Oh, what I smell like to me. Wow. It's so disgusting. Wow. Well, you do you do not stink. No, you don't stink at all. Thank you, Michael. That's for you don't stink either. <laughs> but you do while play we're Hitler dang too much. While, <laughs> while we're handing out compliments, you don't smell either. And you're not as ugly as people say. <laughs> uh, what? Wait, what? <laughs> so uh, Hong Kong's got an enormous COVID problem. We may talk about that next hour. If you don't get the next hour, you can grab it later today via podcast, armstrongandgetty.com, or wherever you like to get podcasts. Armstrong and Getty.